0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Our conversation with Doris is uh, brought to you by Comcast Business Class. Switch to Comcast Business Class for internet, voice, and TV solutions. Don't wait. Call 800-391-3000 to switch now. She joins us on the AT&T hotline, AT&T 4G LTE. Good morning, DB. How are you, Doris?
1: I'm doing very well, gentlemen. Thank
0: you. Uh, Do you think we will see Chris Bosch tonight? And if the answer to that is yes, how much of a factor do you think he can possibly be after nine games on the sidelines?
1: Well, I think we'll see him. Uh, And Brian Windhorst, I believe, has been a guest on your show on occasion, or at least has been on EEI for sure. Uh, He has maintained all along that he thought he would play this evening, and uh, he's got great sources inside of the Heat. So, yes, my expectation is we'll, we'll see him play. What I wonder is, you know, had the series been 3-1, would he have played uh, in favor of the Heat? I don't know the answer to that. Um, and what is he like physically? And now do you spend your time adjusting, you know, your, your sets and expanding your offensive package and not adjusting to the other things that the Celtics are maybe doing that you, you could be thinking about? Because now it affects your rotation. But then it's a good thing because Rooney Turrioff has given you nothing. And, and obviously adding 18 and 7 into your rotation is, is in my estimation, never a bad thing. Um, so we'll see. I'm, I'm anxious to watch. I've been dead wrong about the series, guys. So I'm anxious to watch it continue to play out.
0: On which side of the ball is it more difficult to scrape the rust off? Him playing defense within their system or him playing offense within their system tonight?
1: No, I think absolutely offensively because, you know, there's so much more rhythm involved, right. I think, in, in players who, who score the basketball. Where you are getting to your spots? You know, how much, how much consistent shooting has he been able to do? I know he has done basketball-related drills, but as you guys know, uh, these gentlemen, this is their vocation. They're in the gym. They're beating me. When I'm getting there three and a half hours before, they're already in there in a full sweat. Uh, and they've gone through shooting routines or whatever they, their pregame routine might be. So, I think absolutely on the offensive end. You know at this point the defensive packages, the coverages. You've watched, you know, where your doubles are coming from. I, I don't think there's any question it's offensively. All
2: right, you have to clear it up for us, Doris. You have to, we had a lot of speculation yesterday. Um, yeah. you, your question at halftime, that when Rondo just out of the blue mentioned them crying to the refs in transition. Went viral. You... Followed it up after the game, and I don't think he appreciated. it, But he doesn't, you know, appreciate you know, good a good reporter doing her job. What did you say after when off mic, off camera? Can you reveal that to us?
1: Sure, sure. Well, I can reveal what I think happened because, to be honest, and you guys know this, uh, you know, I have two earpieces in my ear that's blocking out or trying to block out all the ambient noise. I was listening to Mike Green get us off the air, and you also have, you know, the. the tens thousands plus of, of Celtics fans, you know, going absolutely nuts. If, if you recall how I ended the interview, I said, which really was not my place, I wasn't in the analyst role, but it just popped into my head. I said, your play backed you up. Um, sort of a gratuitous comment, frankly, in the position I was in, but it just popped into my head. And I, I don't think he heard me. I think he might have heard me say, back you up. And whether he thought I was referencing his teammates maybe in the next game because of the sort of response, that kind of comment might elicit, I don't know. But that's what I, I think he turned around to ask me, sort of, what did you say? Uh-huh. And there was a point at which I sort sure of just grabbed his arm and I said, this is what I said. He said, what? And I repeated it. We sort of met eyes and we he, he nodded his head. And I called Jeff Twist, the PR director for the Celtics yesterday. I said, listen, please give him myself. If he has any objections, I'm happy to speak with him. Um, but to me, it was, first of all, shocking that he would say that. It's, it's the kind of response you, you rarely get. Right. And I was on a show with Jackie McMullen, who, who I just think is, you know, fantastic. And she said she wasn't surprised because of what had happened just prior to that half-ending uh, with the charge and the kick and all of that.
0: Right.
1: Um, So I don't know. We'll speak to to Rajan at 11 o'clock. If he has objections, he can tell me, but I believe he was unsure of what I said. Jeff Twist, yeah, he sort of concurred with that. He said, you're right, I saw him make good eye contact and nod his head and say, yes, okay, I got it.
2: We asked Doc Rivers about it yesterday. Was that gamesmanship? Is he trying to set the officials up or put some thought in their Mm -hmm. head or just emotion? Was he just frustrated and Doc said it was just emotion?
1: Sure. Sure, and listen... As you know, your greatest strength can be your greatest weakness. This guy is, to me, one of the most highly intelligent, thoughtful, enigmatic uh, figures in the league. He fascinates me as a basketball player and as a person. And, you know, he's trying to lead three Hall of Famers. Can you imagine how difficult that is, transitioning to becoming the lead guy? You watch, you know, the evolution of Tony Parker. It, it It took... Greg Popovich watching Tony Parker on his national team after a first-round defeat in last year's playoffs to go to Tony Parker and finally say, please do your thing. And Tony basically said, listen, I'm I'm fine with that, Pop, but this is Tim's team. There is that natural evolution and all of the things you have to navigate in between those stages. That's a hard thing.
0: I wonder if his leadership role and his maturity, not just because of the passage of time, will increase exponentially, Doris, when the big three starts to fade out and he remains, you know, the lone core guy leading this team, whoever the future pieces happen to be around him, as opposed to deferring because you have a Ray Allen and a Paul Pierce and a KG on the team now.
1: Well, and you also have to wonder, uh, you know, does Rajan consciously say at that point, okay, these displays of emotion, bumping the official and consequently suffering those consequences. Right. Um, The kick that really could have cost him a technical or beyond, um, you know, is he able to rein all of those things as a competitor in or sort of walk that fine line between, you know, being Isaiah Thomas-like in terms of competitive spirit and absolute nastiness that if he's on your team, you adore it. uh, And if you're on the opposing side, you absolutely despise the guy. Is he able to navigate that walk without being detrimental to his team and his franchise?
0: I asked Tim Legler this a little while ago, and I'm wondering if you have a theory about it as well. He did. The Heater 0 for 10 in this very famous stat that's making the rounds in the last week or so. In game tying or go-ahead shots with less than 24 seconds left in the fourth quarter or overtime. 10 times is not a small sample. What's your theory as to why they can't get it done in crunch time, Doris?
1: Well, I feel like, and I don't have all ten plays, I wouldn't mind going to Synergy Sports and sort of pulling those all up on video and watching them, but it strikes me um, that it's been a lot of individual play, not necessarily like, okay, when Doc Rivers, when I watch him execute a play off the bench, it's always off action. He might he might run Ray off a, a stagger screen or Paul for a pin down to get to that you know left elbow where he's just so dangerous, where it always strikes me that eventually... It's Dwayne Wade at the top of the key, either you know dismissing or you know rejecting the ball screen that's coming, or or calling somebody to him, and the defense is sort of watching that play out. So, it's just sort of off the top of my head. Listen to me, and uh, you guys will probably hate me for this. There, there's a part of me that 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 feels for LeBron. I'm not rooting for LeBron, right? But I will say. I have a son, you know, he's going to graduate Sunday from high school, and sometimes I'll think, man, if my my son, you know, had most of America rooting against him and sort of relishing in this guy's failures, I would be dying. Um, So he's the most compelling human drama in the playoffs right now. Can he chase away all his demons? We will watch it you know, in our living rooms or courtside or wherever you might be, and it's either going to be excruciatingly painful or delicious if you're an opposing fan. Uh, But there's just a part of me that's probably the mom part of me that's like, man, you know, will you guys get off this guy's
2: back? Well, give us your hunch here, Mom. Does he get it done? Does he chase those demons away in these next three games?
1: Well, given that I said the Celtics would lose in five because I saw the level of physical exhaustion at the end of the Sixers uh, series in game seven, and I just thought the rapid-fire pace would take its toll, um, and being, you know, courtside and react, I think that this goes seven, and I think ultimately the Heat win in seven, but I cannot say enough about the the coaching job and the physical and mental toughness um, that the Celtics have displayed throughout the series. its It's been extraordinary. I feel very lucky to have sat and, and watched it up, up close
0: and personal, guys. Doris, would you agree that, that LeBron could win a ring, but it might not change his legacy? That simply winning a ring, mm-hmm. uh, it, it has to be how he wins it. I mean, does he not need to hit a critical shot or two in the final minute of a game to win the game for his team, for people to think differently about him, not just win a ring if they blow somebody out four or four games in a row?
1: Yes, I agree completely with that thought. In my estimation, I think that that this idea that he can't finish in the clutch is absurd because I was part of those Cleveland Detroit series and the you know, the phenomenal fourth quarter he had and I've seen him hit enough shots and winning plays. Um but I, I also see his failures too, so I know that it's not a it's not a complete equation yet, but I agree for the the broader sports fan, certainly the the knowledgeable NBA fan and certainly the casual fan, uh he's going to have to do something extraordinary in the moments that matter. He's going to have to make, make the toughest moments his best moments in order to change his legacy, there's no doubt.
2: Do you think he's he's nervous about that? doors right now as he's looking ahead to games uh, five and then six and seven then maybe if another finals is he is he worried about he's only 27 is he already worried about the perception he has that he's a choker that he's that his legacy will be one of a guy who could not get it done
1: i think it's impossible in the day and age we live in not to be aware of the kinds of things people say about you it's everywhere and the incessant you know, uh, coverage, you know, ESPN, we, we can take a story and turn it over and inside out a thousand different ways. You guys are on the air all day discussing your teams and sports. You know, there are so many forums, and these gentlemen can say all they want that they don't care. At the end of the day, they're all very human men, and they do care. There's no question about it. I care. You care. You want to be good at what you do. When people don't like you, it hurts. No matter how good you are, no matter how secure in your job you are, it hurts when when people say, you know, nasty things about you. I guarantee you he hears it. Whether he can use that and let it fuel him the way Michael Jordan, uh, you know, so clearly did and some of the great competitors in, in sports history have used it, you know, remains to be seen. But to me, he's the best player in the NBA. Uh, he is. And, you know, is he the best closer? No. I'll, I'll tell you the truth. And I've said this before. I, I like watching the Celtics in possession games with Paul Pierce with the ball in his hands because the guy has no fear. He, you know, he once told me, I don't, if I miss, I miss. What am I going to do? He said, it's my responsibility to go make the play. I love watching that kind of. You know, temerity, that kind of chops, basically, somebody who doesn't mind being the GOAT. You have to be willing to absorb that.
0: Hey, Doris, we'll uh, end with this, a little inside television question for you. What are the last, what is the last minute like just before halftime? I guess I'm asking for what the rules of engagement are for acquiring a halftime guest. How do you pick who you want, who acquires it for you, how much time do you have, what are the rules?
1: Uh, basically, you know, I have usually the PR directors from each team, and, and they're near their benches. So I will either text them, uh, the person we choose. I will be in communication with uh, uh, with my producer and say, "Listen, here's who I'm thinking. You good with that? Certain guys, as you know, like Kevin Garnett would never do a halftime interview. He'd only do a post-game interview. Right. The, the other thing I'll tell you is, I, I get the vast majority of my content from listening to Jeff and Mike. Jeff, to me, and I'm biased, I'm completely biased, I think he's the best analyst in television. I'm writing down things he says, and in fact, on occasion, I'll give you an example. Uh, Third quarter of the game three, where Marquise has been terrific, and I know I'm going to ask Doc about Marquise, but I made the, the producer open my headset and Jeff's mic, and I said to Jeff in the break, I said, Jeff, how how does a coach come to this decision to to sort of put this guy in? And he said, what I want to know is, you know, is this something they had talked about before the game or based on the matchup? And so I took my question right from Jeff. I asked him, I said, I'm going to ask Marquise, where's the best place to go? So, it's, you know, that's sort of how it all plays.
0: Interesting. Doris, I uh, uh, pre- appreciate the time, as always. Uh, we'll be watching tonight. Continued uh, good work on the sidelines. Congratulations
2: on your kid. Yeah.
1: Oh yes, yes. It was not without anxious moments. You're not so gonna yes, miss I'm
2: very, very thrilled. You're not missing yeah. game seven for this, are you?
1: No, no, game is graduation this Sunday, he graduates of Catholic school from Rhode Island uh, So Sunday. I'll be home in plenty of time. I've ordered the food, we're good to go. So thank you so much.
0: And then you have to start cutting college checks pretty soon, I would assume, right?
1: I'm already doing that for my, my daughter, who will be a junior, uh, uh, but yes.
0: It's called double um, indemnity.
1: As you guys probably are, I, I have a long way to go before
0: I finish working. Doris, thanks for the time. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you down the road. My pleasure, gentlemen. Doris Burke with Denison Callahan on the AT&T Hotline. Our conversation with Doris was brought to you by Comcast Business Class. Switch to Comcast Business Class for Internet, voice, and TV solutions. Don't wait. Call 800-391-3000 to switch now.